0: And welcome to episode number three of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill, alongside my co-host, Ryan Bemrose. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the world without cash. How are you doing today, Ryan?
1: I am clutching my 20s right now. How are you doing? (laughs) I am
0: doing great. This is a subject that we've talked about off air a lot and wanted to really delve into because I think it goes a lot deeper than what a lot of people consider cashless people here and they just think it's convenience and something that isn't really going to affect their world in a way because nobody wants to carry cash anymore. I I don't know about your friends and even myself, I do have cash, but it's usually a credit card or you're paying with your, God forbid, your phone because of the convenience factor. And you never really stop and consider the difference between paying in cash and paying with a device or with a credit card.
1: Well, there's no doubt it's absolutely more convenient to uh, to, to swipe a card. Uh, even when you have to swipe a card and enter a PIN, that's the same motion. You can do it out of muscle memory every time. And then, and then you come up with this Apple Pay and suddenly you just tap your phone. Oh, it's easy. Tap your phone, tap your phone, tap your phone. And there's no doubt that making change is a pain in the butt. You're like, oh, well, the, especially you go get an item at the grocery store and they say, okay, you know, the... The thing listed on there says $10. Okay, well, that'll be $10 and 94 cents. Like, wait, what? But of course, you know, if you're in a state where there's sales tax, you understand that it's always going to be a weird amount. And then you just hand up a 20 and they have to sit there and count out the change and hand you back a bunch of coins. And if you're really conscientious, you have to count them to make sure the clerk wasn't an idiot. And yeah, I get it. Uh, That's a pain in the ass. But what are you giving up?
0: Well, you're giving up a lot. And one of the things I think you're giving up is people do not treat credit cards or paying with your phone or whatever you're paying with. That's not cash. They don't treat it the same as cash. It's weird. It's like it doesn't it's not real money. I mean, you know, you're giving something when you get gas and it says $40, but it's different on a very physical, on a very emotional level that. You just see the thing on the little screen, your credit card goes in, boop, boop, you're done. That feels very different, even to me, than having to walk in and give a couple of 20s. It is.
1: It's it's very different on a psychological level. And there have actually been studies that have shown the the effect of particular prices when you have to pay cash versus when you just have to swipe a card that goes to an account. And there's, there's the practical effects of when you swipe a card, you are just taking money from somewhere and you don't even have to think about whether you have that money. So if, say, you do this too much.
0: Well, and you don't actually have to have the money.
1: Well, that's the, that, that is, that is the debt culture, which, uh, is, uh, an extended topic. Uh, but the, the phenomenon I'm talking about is that when you have, when you have to open up your wallet, every time that you open your wallet to take a bill out, say you have $150 in your wallet and you need to spend $40, then you have to open it up and you see exactly how much is in there. And then you take some out and then you have to look in your wallet And see what's left. And if you do that four times, then you have to open up your wallet every time. And it's very tangible way of psychologically forcing yourself to realize how much money you have, how much money you are spending, how much you have left. And uh, most importantly, I mean, it, it forces you to think about how many times can I do this thing? Before I run out of money. And if if you're limited to the amount of cash in your wallet, it's it's a very physical, tangible thing. I can do this until there aren't any more pieces of paper in my wallet. And then I have to go to the ATM and that's effort and effort, as we all know, is the thing that causes you to stop making impulse decisions. Uh, Contrast that with, say, a debit card where you know that you have a certain amount and but you don't i mean you you only check if you're really conscientious daily or weekly but most people only check when they need to you know do their paycheck and you swipe and you're like oh yeah I know I have money then you swipe again oh yeah I have no I know I have money swipe again oh yeah I know I have money and then 4 days later you go to pay your electric bill you're like oh shit I don't have as much money in this account as I ha- thought I had and if you're really impulsive The stopping point with cash is you have to go to the ATM and then you have to stop and reevaluate. The stopping point with a debit card is maybe they'll prevent your purchase if you completely drain all the money that you have in your entire checking account. Right. And it's real dangerous to reach that point. And it's even worse if you have one of those uh, banks that says, oh, no, we won't block the purchase. We'll just charge you an extra $40 per transaction. For your convenience for your convenience.
0: Yeah, I was going to make the joke that, you know, you don't have a credit card or debit card that changes as you're spending, which would be great technology. Every time you take it out where you can open up your wallet, you see the big wad of cash, whatever you have left. If there was something on your credit card that was like, hey, like like a gas gauge, you know, you're like, you're 80 percent down. You don't have a whole lot. Maybe you would think
1: twice about spending. But I wonder nobody is. Well, you know, if you had a if you have a sheet metal wallet, then every time you pull the card out, it gets new scratches on it. I mean, that that
0: that's a great idea. idea. But you're a coder. I've never seen anything like this as of yet. There's so many of these different apps to, to where you could go pay using your phone. I've never yet seen one that you could be like, look, I'm budgeting what I can spend in a month. Let's just say what my credit card purchases for the month can be for everything, you know, gas groceries, all that. I can spend five hundred dollars this month on this credit card. I've never seen a system that would allow you to put five hundred dollars in at the beginning of the month, and every time you take your phone out to pay, go, oh, now you're down to four fifty. Oh, now you're down to three fifty. Oh, now you're down to a hundred. You better be careful. No, there,
1: there are there are special systems. There's budgeting apps, and you know, I'm sure that the the Google Play or iTunes Store has six dozen apps that let you budget. Your money and, but all of them are extra work and they don't come by default. And the D, def- everybody knows the default is what you, well,
0: none of them come up when you go to spend the money.
1: Yeah. And well, every—I mean, you can even get uh, uh, special credit cards from your bank, where uh, like a special debit card. And even if you can't get anything special from it, it's possible to get more than one bank account and or or a a separate checking account where you put money in. This is uh, what parents will often do uh, with their kids: is they will put an allowance into a bank account, and the kid has a debit card that draws on that bank account, which is kind of a cop-out from when I was a kid and my parents had just give me cash for allowance. But at the same time, it, it is a form of budgeting.
0: Well, it's a form of budgeting and it's something that it's made it so easy to spend more than you can because this, this doesn't feel like money. It doesn't feel like cash, but that's just one little part of what happens. And this is a, um, the cashless concept.
1: And just, just to be clear, it's, it's a disciplined thing. And also, it is completely intentional on the part of the banks and the credit card companies to to use the psychological tricks like give you something that doesn't feel like money to try to make you spend more.
0: Right, because that's how they make their money. Go figure. But there's a lot more to it than just the concept that money doesn't feel real and that you're making it much harder for you to budget or you can get into debt. And of course, when you're talking debit cards, it's different because you're going to well, the banks are going to get like you said, you may get. A fee if you go over. But for credit cards, they're making their money because everything that you spend, they get to charge you an interest rate on. So it's in their best interest to be like, hey, spend more.
1: So the second big advantage, the the big one that everybody calls out whenever uh, they they talk about cash. And in fact, this is the reason why you have uh, authoritarian governments the world over who are trying to remove cash is anonymity. Anonymity is a huge benefit of cash that you just don't get with with a debit or credit card. Uh, You know, you ever you ever think about uh, every time that you buy a candy bar and you swipe your debit card every time that you buy a coffee with extra sugar and three shots of cream, you swipe your debit card every time that you go out and you get the extra cheese pizza instead of the salad with your debit card, you're creating data. I think that we've seen enough breaches and enough uh, shenanigans amongst the big corporations to know that that data doesn't stay secure. So if if you've got evidence of every single time that you've got something done, something terrible and you want that getting to your insurance company, do you want that? The real reason, you know, the, the benefit to cash is nobody knows. There's no record. You give somebody cash. They give you the candy bar or the pizza or the the extra double half-calf soy frappe latte. I (laughs) I think that's a drink in Seattle.
0: Yeah, here there's a company that sells some coffee there.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure,
0: but the anonymity is a big part of what cash is, which one thing I was really interested in without going way down a crypto hole was somebody talking about Bitcoin being. Very trackable, and I guess I understand that to a point because every one of the transactions is kept. But I always looked at Bitcoin as something that was kind of like cash in the sense that you had a, at least a decent amount of anonymity, at least when this was all started. Of course, now, now that there's these things such as uh, you know, Bitcoin ATMs. They all want to see your driver's license and all these other. It's like, wait, I don't understand the point of, of crypto if I have to show you my driver's license, because then, you know, the whole anonymity thing goes out the window.
1: So I just want you to know that you're the one who just started us down this crypto hole. And I, I have to make my point about Bitcoin. The anonymity thing is bunk, always has been bunk. Uh, the only anonymity you get is that your name is not directly associated with the very long number that corresponds to your wallet. But the moment that anybody has any data from anywhere that can connect your name to that number, then you have zero anonymity. Every purchase you have ever made with a Bitcoin to the beginning of time is there on the blockchain for anyone to analyze. So no, it's worse than a debit card, because at least with the debit card, there has to be a a for-profit company that has an interest in selling your data before it gets out there with Bitcoin. Anybody who has a client already has it.
0: So the push for Bitcoin and the push for these cryptos is really goes hand in hand with the war on cash then.
1: Now, to be clear, there are crypto coins out there, uh, other types that seek to resolve the problem of anonymity. There's, there's a number of problems with Bitcoin and uh, they're, <laughs> there, there are as many coins as there are people using bitcoins or, or using coins out there, and each one of them seeks to resolve a problem. And honestly, that is a problem with the crypto coins in itself, which is uh, that if there's 317 competing currencies, then they're not really currency; they're they're commodities. Right.
0: And when it comes down to the fact that everything is completely trackable, this goes again where. Cash, can, you can go and buy anything you want without being tracked. If Crypto, if you buy something and you're completely tracked, you have to ask the question why we want to take this from, I mean, I understand why people want to do it, but you really have to look at the rationale for taking this out of the hands of the banking system and putting it in basically in the hands of you don't know who. I mean, we still don't necessarily even for sure know who created Bitcoin but we want to trust our world economy to it.
1: Well, just to be clear, uh, if if I have to start ranking them in a list, I would put most of the denizens of the Internet ahead of most of the big bankers in, ter- in a list of trust.
0: But how much? Uh,
1: not, not but they're both
0: pretty close to zero. That's that's really kind of the question, which is like, you know, if you're going to be told, hey, we got to do this, this is really important. We have to do this. I'm kind of confused by that.
1: But I, 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 I would I would rather trust my data to the homeless guy that lives down the street than to Wells Fargo.
0: <laughs>
1: but the homeless guy that lives down the street doesn't have the money to purchase databases from everywhere that I log into.
0: And, you know, the interesting thing then, like we were talking about as far as anonymity and tying this in, I do wonder how far we are from a case where you're going to go up to a vending machine and want to buy a Coke. and your thing is going to go through the data and it's go okay. Well, let's see. Oh no, uh, your last doctor appointment, your sugar was high. Um,
1: you can't have this. Oh, and, and we're we're on our way there. That's and the one of the first steps in getting there is you get rid of cash so that you can track every single transaction. However, the other half of that uh, that you just hit on is uh, is my third major advantage of cash, and uh, and this is one that. When I when I see somebody talk about uh, the benefits and disadvantages of a cashless society, this is one that doesn't come up that often. Everybody hits on the anonymity one, but they don't tend to hit the fact that cash cannot be turned off. We've all seen the episodes of whatever police show uh, detective show where they say, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, our suspect has has you know, tried to flee. Okay, good. Well, you know, where's, where are they? Okay. Well, their, their phone GPS says that they're on the tollway out this. And, and then, you know, they say, well, he just swiped his credit card at a gas station and so, and so, okay, great. Okay. Let's freeze his accounts. And that is a very real thing. If, uh, if, if the act, I I know that, that having, having a, a, a fake Police agency uh, in on TV is uh, is not quite the same because they'll certainly enhance, enhance. They always talk it up for drama. But the real FBI and the real law enforcement has the ability to order a bank to block you from using your card. And if you are a wanted person, if you commit a crime, they have the ability to go and. Shut off your bank account and suddenly you don't have access to any of that money. And that will severely limit how far you can go, which is the whole point. Now, you can say, oh, well, if they committed a crime, I want their bank account shut off because I want them brought to justice. That's fine. The same law enforcement has already demonstrated that they're willing to do this without due process. And they're willing even to do this to innocent people. And when you have a a government who goes out and it will use predator drones to kill American citizens without any due process, do you honestly want to trust them with if you happen to say the wrong thing or or write the wrong letter or post the wrong Facebook post that happens to criticize someone that has the power to turn off your accounts? Right. Which is what's going on in China now. Uh, it is in fact going on in china then <laughs> that's true uh, in china they have got they now have the social credit system where they have the ability to do everything i just described and and part of the reason that that works is that they have a very strong non-cash system right
0: because if you can pay cash one of the things you're blocking people from is like high speed rail if you could just go and buy a ticket with cash their whole concept of being able to slap you down for your behavior Is totally gone. They need to have that lock. You know, they need to be able to do something to stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And cash doesn't allow them to do that. And you're right. Currently, you cannot turn cash off. The question is who's going to be the first country? And somebody's going to do it in our lifetime. I would be guaranteeing you on that. There is going to be a country that says no more paper currency.
1: I don't know if that's happened completely, but I know there are countries that are very much moving toward that. Uh, I believe the latest one I heard was Sweden, but I know there's others.
0: Right. And it's being sold as this is the greatest thing ever because you won't have, you know what, your money's so safe. It's so convenient. They don't mention the fact that the government can stop you from spending any said money. No longer will it be about you having the money to buy something. It'll be a way for the government to keep you in line by saying, oh, let's see, Sir Bemrose said some really bad things today on, well, I would say on social media, but you rarely say anything on social media. So there's a reason maybe you randomly said something while walking past a Starbucks while somebody was talking to somebody else on the phone and your voice was picked up. And of course, your voice oh, is in a government database.
1: <laughs> uh, and, and I say things on no agenda social and in the no agenda chat room, which are certainly being recorded. So I'm not entirely safe, but no, I'm not going to go out on, on the Twitter and go all Rob Reiner that's that's just dangerous. I'm not leftist enough to be immune to being deplatformed.
0: But that is really what the, what this system comes down to is your life being deplatformed. I mean, if you think it sucks that you're turned off on Twitter and you or you can't post on Facebook or Instagram, imagine a society without cash where you go out and try to do anything and you can't do it because well, We don't want you to.
1: I do have to nitpick one of your examples, the train thing. Uh, Part of the reason why the train thing works is not just because cash is uncommon in China, uh, but it also works because the trains in China, you have to give your name in order to get on most of the uh, and uh, at least the high speed one. And we have the same thing in America. Uh, It is theoretically possible, I'm told, to take an airplane flight without id
0: right i'd like to see somebody try that though
1: (laughs) i i think it's been tried and i think every single time it was so immensely hassle that it is such a pain in the butt that
0: literally because they're probably probing you
1: yeah and, and you know, I'm, I'm certain that they they're creating a dossier of everything that they can know about the person. And by the time that they've wasted 12 hours of your time giving you the runaround, they've had enough time to dig up who you are from their facial recognition anyway.
0: Ooh, facial recognition. That is another grumpy old Ben's episode coming up, I believe. Uh,
1: the, the other the other nitpick, and I, this isn't so much a nitpick as it is a warning, is uh, remember that uh, China does not have the lock uh, on the social grading system. The U.S. has had it for a lot longer. It's just run by private companies who are even less accountable than the government. And uh, uh, if if you think that the social grading system in the U.S. is somehow safer or more fair, just remember that it was less than two years ago that uh, almost every American had their private data, whether they had intended to add it or not, suddenly dumped out onto the dark web when Experian lost their database.
0: Yeah, there's not a big difference between credit scores and social scores. They're both definitely connected. And either one of them, I think, could get you in a, whole, a whole bunch of hurt. And this is, I mean, we don't think about this anymore because we were sold on all of this stuff being convenient and everything is safe. And you don't realize the tracking even that goes on. And this is something that I was reading about uh, something with Google, who we know Google always treats your data with respect that you, there is Google pay, which, so, which Google are you talking about? <laughs> the, the one that doesn't actually exist in, in, but the one in utopia that exists that right, right. completely yeah. uh, handles your the, data safely. Yeah,
1: the, the one that cares about their users, the fact
0: that the article I was reading about when it mentioned Google and their location tracking that said, people had to opt in on it. I was like, bullshit, unless you mean opt in is you buy an Android phone. Because I don't remember ever seeing anything. And although I guess to be fair, this could be one of these EULAs that you just end up flopping through and not noticing or not reading.
1: It it is, in fact, that that the clause that they can they collect your data for internal use is in the EULA that nobody reads when you buy an Android phone. So you're absolutely correct that that you're opting in by buying an Android phone. But you don't have to Buy an Android phone. You don't have to do anything at all directly to do with Google. If you have a cell phone, there is a record of every cell tower that you've ever visited. Yes. That is stored with your, with your phone mobile, your mobile operator, AT&T or Verizon and uh, Google and Facebook, they will give money to the mobile operators to buy that data so that they can correlate it and they have more information. So if you have an iPhone, then Facebook probably knows everywhere you've been going anyway.
0: Well, and the the wildest thing that I didn't realize, I mean, I always knew the stuff that they're tracking, if they were going after you, you know, if they were going after a specific person, they could probably go and get those records from Google, your phone company or whoever. I understood that. But there was an article on a guy who was picked up, On, on he wasn't charged with murder, but he was a suspect in a murder investigation. And the only reason he was picked up was because his devices showed him in the area where this happened. And I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. I mean, were they looking for this guy? The answer was no. The phone company and Google, the courts went to them and just went, you know, here's the address where this murder went down. Here's the time it went down. Show us everybody that was around here around then. And they were just given all of this information. It wasn't even like they had a person in mind where they went, hey, tell me if Ryan Bemrose was in this area. No, this was just, eh, here's the area. Here's the time. What do you got? And this guy just happened to be there.
1: And I get called a crackpot because I don't even take my phone when I'm going out to the grocery store.
0: There is something to be said for that at this point.
1: I I don't need it. If if I don't have somebody I need to talk to, I don't need my phone. Uh, in fact, I have a. If if I need electronic entertainment, I have a, a one of the first versions of the touch based e ink Kindles that's uh, about nine years old now, and uh, it's it's rooted. I remove the Amazon tracking and I leave it in airplane mode permanently. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I am. I am that crackpot. Uh, so we started this conversation out as uh, talking about cash and somehow we ended up on uh, bashing Silicon Valley for not having their users best interests in mind. And uh, because it's tracking of off the rails because, well, it it is tracking, wow. but that's also the topic of every other episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. <laughs> that's true. Um, so that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, I curse
0: John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry for making that audio just be ingrained into my head.
1: It's, it, it, I think it's probably got about four more weeks of being played on every single show that we listen to until it finally peters out. It's a meme. Memes always fade eventually. They'll never go away. Five years from now, you're going to be talking about something, and someone's going to say, "That's true," and everybody will crack up. But I think they would be like, "What's up?" Yeah. But then by then it'll it'll come down at, uh, at at a normal like, OK, this was appropriate and that was really funny. Not OK. I've heard it 12 times in the last five minutes. Right. So cashless society, uh, the big things for me is, uh, first of all, if you use cash you have to think about how much money you're spending. And that means you're not going to be spending as much because it's more effort to spend money. And that in itself is just healthier to, to reduce the amount of debt that you go into by impulse. Secondly, uh, Cash is anonymous, and uh, I think we've established that that any kind of plastic card that you swipe, not anonymous. Uh, in any tapping your phone, not anonymous. All of that goes into a database, and even cryptocurrencies. There are some that are specifically made to be anonymous, and I think that we can we can make an entire episode covering cryptocurrencies later uh, because it's fascinating. Uh, but the the biggest cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, not anonymous, and then the third. And most important reason, if you are at all concerned about the trend of authoritarian tyrants running the government, and whether you're on the left or on the right, there's been somebody in the last few years that you probably think fits that description. If you don't trust them to run the government, can you really trust them with the keys to turn off your entire means of living?
0: I wouldn't think so, but- Hey, everybody, I was used to be one of those guys, you know, with the Google tracking and stuff, I have nothing to hide. And then you see the massive amounts of data they're pulling.
1: It's incredible just how much nothing there is out there.
0: Yes, that's that's actually a very good way to put it with the cashless thing. The one thing I do not understand are the companies, the businesses that are going cashless. Saying, oh, it's more convenient. You know, we don't have to, we don't. There was this taco stand. I don't know how big of a restaurant it was or not. It was in Manhattan. There was recently a story where a guy went in, wanted to buy some tacos. Your question was, wasn't there another taco stand a block away? <laughs> yeah. I, I
1: said, I don't well, know. if he didn't like that one, couldn't he just go to the taco stand across the street? Taco stands in Manhattan cannot be that uncommon. You wouldn't think
0: so. But he goes in, wants to buy a taco, doesn't have a credit card. And they're like, well, we don't we we don't take cash. And an employee helped him out by waiting until they found another customer that eventually came in that was okay with buying this guy's tacos and having the guy pay him the cash. But it just doesn't make sense to me as somebody that's worked retail in that. Why any company would feel that cash is such an inconvenience that you're going to turn customers away. It just, it doesn't make sense knowing that every credit card purchase, especially so for something being fast food or being coffee, stuff like that, every credit card transaction costs money. Usually I think anywhere between 10 cents to 25 cents plus a percentage, you know, maybe two to 3%, depending on your bank, who you're using and all that. So all of these small transactions, the, the, store, whoever's selling the stuff, loses money as opposed to taking cash. So the fact that a company that's doing tacos decides, you know, hey, this is such a high ticket item. We don't want to take cash anymore. I can't see where that makes fiscal sense to them unless they are in a location where they're robbed three times a week or their employees are robbing them blind or something bizarre, because I don't understand from the the viewpoint of a company as a retailer That would say, hey, customer, I don't want your cash. Where does that come from?
1: Okay, so first of all, I agree with everything you just said, but since that doesn't make good radio, I'm going to go ahead and tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) First, uh, the the most important thing and the the most fundamental thing to uh, somebody like me is that uh, we're still in a free enough country that this is their decision. You know, you've you've got a, a number of of considerations at play. You know, the the most obvious one in favor of cash is is if you ever pull out a dollar bill and and yes, millennials, you're going to have to go to an ATM and find a bill. They, they, it's usually not printed on the side of your card, uh, but it says this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. And uh, that is a pretty solid legal basis for anybody accepting cash. Uh, but the, the thing about a business saying, no, we don't accept uh, non-cash purchases is uh, they have the right to refuse service for whatever reason they want. And uh, this kind of evokes the, the question about the, the baker that uh, refused to bake a cake and uh, you know what what side do I come in on that? Well, hell yes, he can decide not to enter a voluntary transaction of trade with another person. That's ridiculous that that the government could in any way come down and, and force these people to enter into a voluntary transaction that they don't want to enter. That That's anathema to the free market. So a company has the right to say uh, – If you are not, if you are going to pay cash, we don't want to serve you. Uh, We reserve the right to refuse service. That's legal. It's moral. It's fine. However, one of the points you brought up, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like, why, why would any, you know, these people are in business, they're in business to make money. Why on earth would they refuse to serve, to make more money. You know, I've got a person who's trying to give me money. Why would I say no? And, uh, the main reason why a company might not do that is that you are correct that credit card processing carries a fee, but cash handling also carries a fee that is a little bit more hidden. Uh, the average retail person, um, doesn't usually enter Mensa. Uh, they don't, (laughs) they're, they're, I mean, a lot of them are just people trying to get by, but it's unreasonable to assume that every single one of them understands basic arithmetic. Uh, So
0: you're absolutely right. What what popped into my head was, do you you ever watch the show Cheers? I mean, it's as old as I am. Um, Harry Anderson, the late, great Harry Anderson, the comedian that passed away, magician a couple a year or so ago. Oh, yeah. The uh, night. his biggest yes his biggest he bit, was on
1: night court not cheers
0: no he started a cheers oh did he that was okay and the, that character then spun off into night court but that was he used to come into cheers to the coach you know who was the okay. old guy that played coach and he would play the change game like hey here no I'll, I, need, I need change here's 50 yeah. can you give me some and then oh the oh, no wait here no wait i have it so you can just give me that 50 back too and it's the oldest scam in the book and that's what popped into mind when you yep. said there is there's and a cost to Cash. That's,
1: that's exactly the, well, okay. Even, even if you put aside the cost in fraud, which is very real, uh, the, the true cost of a cash transaction is the fact that if it takes, uh, 15 seconds to perform a transaction with a card, because it's just swipe, beep, beep, beep done. And it takes a minute and a half to perform a transaction with cash as the clerk looks down at their hand counts out coins, looks back up because they can't do subtraction in their head, of course. So they have to do what the cash register says. And if it takes five times longer to perform that cash transaction, that means that if you don't take cash, you can serve five times as many people. That means if you hit the lunch rush, then uh, your one cashier can now serve the whole lunch rush instead of having to hire a second cashier. So there is an actual labor cost in terms of accepting cash just because it takes longer. Now, this would never have been an issue 40 years ago when most transactions were cashed so that every retail person automatically knew how to count change. And you get, you know, some you say, okay, it's, it's 1875 and uh, you know, somebody hands you a 20 and you say, okay, thank you. And then you pull out a quarter, say that's 19 and pull out a dollar. That's 20. That's how I learned to count cash back the, when I learned in was in retail at a very dark time in my life. And nobody knows how to do that anymore because now cash transactions are one in a hundred, And so I hate companies that do this, but I actually understand the logical reason why you would say, you know what, that one in a 100 transaction takes a lot longer and we just don't want the extra cost.
0: So is the push for cashless, do you think, is this based on convenience or do you think there is more of a nefarious thing? If you've ever tried to move a few thousand dollars of cash out of a bank, and rather than letting them write you a check or give you a money order to wherever you're bringing this cash to, if you actually want to take it in cash, you now get like 8000 different questions. You oh, yeah. get the you know, you get the third degree. You know, where do you work? What do you do? And, and
1: when you and when you deposit some that much money, you get the the waiting period. Yeah.
0: You know, so the question is, is this is this because is there is there a grander scheme to this where. There's a whether it's a government or all governments want to control everything. So they want all of these things to be very closely monitored. Or is this just strictly we're at a time in the society and world that we are that everybody's so lazy and this is such a convenience that this is just the natural way to go? I mean, I guess I'm asking, is this is this the conspiracy theory going on or is this just we're lazy?
1: Well, the first question, the, the, I'm going to answer it the way you asked the first time, which is. Uh, Why are they pushing for it? And, uh, the, as, as with many issues that are far more complex than you want to boil them down to, because they're tough to, they hurt the head when they're this complex. Uh, there's a lot of people pushing for cashless society for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know why? Why are governments pushing for cashless society? Because they can track it, and because they can turn it off. And if you're an authoritarian government, that's really important for being able to. If if you can, if you can control your people's movements, you can control their spending. Then you can control your people. That's important. Uh, why are the banks pushing for this? Uh, because they want the data. They want to collect data on you, and they want to sell that data on you. That's a new revenue stream. Uh, you know why? Uh, why? Why is Apple? pushing for this well apple wants to be that middleman uh they think that apple pay is all that in a box of peanuts and they would just love to take their four percent from every single transaction that ever goes through somebody with an iphone uh and and they
0: they have a credit card now right that was the thing they just announced very recently hey buy it you need an apple credit card
1: And, and, and every, every company that, that wants to be a middleman, it's pretty obvious why they see money changing hands and they want a part of it. Uh, you know, companies always want to do that. The, when it's a credit card company, their credit card fees, when, when it's a government, they're called sales taxes. Like, oh my God, somebody's (laughs) giving money to somebody else. How can I get part of that? Um, and then, you know, why are, individual consumers pushing for it i think you're right the answer is convenience uh if if you you go ask my mom why she doesn't like using cash and she just loves having her her apple pay on her iphone which is actually uh, apple pay is about the third new technology apple's come out with where she says you really need to get an iphone no mom (laughs) and uh doesn't she know you <laughs> I am hoping I can get her to listen to this podcast and then she'll never call me again. Oh, wait. anyways. <laughs> uh, so why are consumers pushing for it? Well, I mean, it really is more convenient and a lot of people see that and they say, you know what? I don't mind. That everybody's collecting my data. Usually that's because they don't realize how much data is being collected, but maybe they really don't care. And then, of course, there's always the I haven't done anything wrong. So, of course, the government isn't going to come after me, which isn't true. But statistically, it's it's generally a safe bet for most people.
0: And one one other thing that just popped to mind recently, Elizabeth Warren called For I mean, this was for the upper, you know, 1% or so, but she called for a wealth tax to be implemented, which wasn't. Oh,
1: yeah. Taxing taxing the rich is is a safe, but a safe political campaign promise no matter where you are on the spectrum. But yeah,
0: but but it wasn't on income. So think about this. If your money is in cash, they don't know how much you have. Yeah. If you're going to take 2% of somebody's estate. I mean, I understand yeah. if you have that kind of money, usually it's invested in stocks and all this.
1: If your money's in the bank, all they have to do is ask the bank, how much does this person have? If your money's under a mattress, they have to come into your house.
0: Yes. And they probably won't find it. And that's going to piss them off.
1: <laughs> well, my mattress isn't that hard to find. So
0: that's where the money is. Just go to Ryan Bemrose's house.
1: Money. No, I, I'm a podcaster. I don't have any money,
0: <laughs> which unfortunately is the way podcasting goes. But of course, if people want to send money, we will soon have an address for you to do that. Why not? So I think we've covered pretty much anything. If we didn't feel free to reach out to us and let us know why we're wrong, why we suck. Uh, I guess we yeah. need to set up an email address for the show and so they can do that. Otherwise, well,
1: actually, maybe but, not. But it's better if they think we suck. You you can reach out to Darren on on Twitter and on Facebook and on Google and through his NSA account. And you can reach out to me through no agenda social, or uh, if you ham know radio. the secret handshake,
0: ham, ham radio, can they reach you on uh, we never talked about that. Are you a ham? I am not a ham. I'm surprised. I think cause I, I'm interested in that stuff too. I think that's something we should do. So that way when the uh, world comes to an end, we can at I least have throw antennas up. I rant about up. that but that's another show. <laughs> it is definitely another show, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Darren O'Neill, D A R R E N O N E I L L. And uh, tell us why we suck, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. We're going to be doing a lot of different types of shows. We hope you really enjoyed episode number two. That was really a joy for me to speak with Larry from that Larry show. I know you enjoyed it as well, Ryan. That was,
1: that was a lot of fun. Larry is a consummate professional and he he deserves all of the accolades that being a podcaster has to offer
0: <laughs> as much as that is. You can check his show out, of course, at that what, what their next show is going to be, I believe I don't want to promise this, but I believe we may be doing a live show on Thursday on the no agenda stream with void zero to celebrate void's birthday. And he really is another dude named Ben. So that should be He's, interesting if we can, the if we can tie dude
1: named Ben. He's the dude named Ben that I look up to. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. And from an undisclosed location on the left coast of the US, I'm Ryan Bemrose.
0: Later.